I invite you to open a Bible with me, if you will, to the second book. Back to Exodus chapter 19. It is very easy to find in your Bible, and you need a Bible open. We're going to do a a good amount of reading on the front end, right out of our Bibles. We'll have some other passages projected on the screen behind me in a little while. But I would love it if you would open a Bible with me and read from your copy. How amazing is it? that we can have so easily and freely a copy of God's Word in our own hands. Hope that you've had a good day today. Thank you for being here this evening. In many ways, this is a season of waiting. There are lots of people who are waiting in this room. Some of us for multiple things. There are children who are anxiously waiting to unwrap. There are parents who are perhaps more anxiously waiting for things to unwrap that haven't arrived yet. And so every time a FedEx truck or a UPS truck or the United States Postal Service drives down the road, your heart is thrilled maybe just a little because you think that the wait is over and every day that you have to wait more, perhaps it is a little more of an anxious wait. There are people who are waiting for test results in this room, academic test results, medical test results. There are people in this room who are anxiously waiting the last day of work for the year. And it's just a few more, and then you get to unplug for a little while. Perhaps anxiously waiting for that last paycheck of the year, or anxiously waiting to hear when you can expect family to arrive at your house. We know what it is to wait. This is a season in a lot of ways of waiting for a new beginning, the turning of the calendar year. Waiting has been on my mind a lot the last week or so. In our Building Blocks track of studies, this morning we studied the fruit of the Spirit that is patience. And so I tried to be sensitive to that this week, knowing that I was going to stand in front of quite a few of you and talk this morning about patience. And quite a few of you after our class, in one way or another, asked me, am I the only one who struggles on this front? And the answer is absolutely not at all. Sometimes we struggle to wait patiently. And so I don't know if it was a coincidence, if it was just something that was in my mind and it leapt off the page. I know that I have read this section of Exodus where our daily Bible reading schedule took us this past week. I've read it many times like many of you, but there was a word that just Hit me right between the eyes. We're going to get to it in just a minute, but I need to lay a little bit of 
of context. If your Bible is open there to Exodus chapter 19, if you've been reading along with us, you know this is familiar territory. That reading schedule that you can pick up a copy of in the foyer has taken us to the foot of Mount Sinai to a scene that would have been awesome in every true sense of that word. You can begin reading with me in verse 1 of Exodus 19. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came, he called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. Skip down to verse 16 of this same chapter. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain. And Moses went up. 
We've got in chapter 20 his giving of the Ten Commandments. Look over at chapter 20 and verse 18. When all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Turn a few pages over to Exodus chapter 24. In verse 1, after receiving the backbone of this covenant law, in Exodus 24 in verse 1, God says to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And the people answer again with one voice. All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose up early in the morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain. Twelve pillars, according to the twelve tribes of Israel. And he sent young men to the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood, put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. He took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they say again, they're entering into this covenant. All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. Moses took the blood, threw it on the people, and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Verse 9, Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up, and they saw, the God of Israel. There was under his feet, as it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. And he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel. They beheld God and ate and drank. Maybe you read this chapter with us just a, a few pages before. And so perhaps you remember a few days before. Perhaps you remember in Exodus 24 and verse 12 how after that, that meal with these leaders of Israel, the Lord says to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait there. I don't know if you've ever noticed that instruction. I, I don't think I ever have. 
I want you to come up on the mountain and I want you to wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and Moses went up into the mountain of God. But before he did, in verse 14, he said to the elders, wait. Wait here. For us, until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, these are the leaders you look to. Let him go to them. Moses goes up on the mountain and he waits. Have you ever noticed this before? Verse 15, Moses went up on the mountain and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. For six days, Moses goes up and he waits. I mean, let's make that personal. You receive that call today. You go up on Mount Sinai and Monday comes and goes. Tuesday comes and goes. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You have waited all week long. What's going through your mind at that point? What's next? <laughs> what am I supposed to do up here? Only on the seventh day, after he told Moses to wait, does God call to Moses out of the midst of that cloud. Moses waits for six days. Aaron, her, those elders of Israel, the rest of Israel, you know how long they wait? Forty days. Exodus 24, verse 17. The appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses enters the cloud. He goes up on the mountain. He's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And so as you turn pages slowly, you can see what is going on up there for 40 days. You turn with me slowly to Exodus chapter 31. Moses receives all sorts of instructions from God about this tabernacle, how it's to be constructed, this sanctuary where God is going to dwell among His people, the Ark of the Covenant, this table on which bread of the presence of the Lord is going to be set, golden lampstand, a bronze altar, the priests, their, world, their role, their work, their garments that they're to put on as, as they're serving, how to build the altar of incense, this bronze basin, instructions about the Sabbath. For 40 days, Moses is up there. And the last words, as far as we know, he gave the last words that Aaron and her and those 70 elders of Israel heard was, wait. Wait here. And it's not until Exodus chapter 31 and verse 18 that we have this summary. God gave to Moses 
When he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Do you know why it's worth slowing down this evening and and just thinking about that one word? It's because of Exodus chapter 32. When the faith to wait began to wane. Forty days is a long time to wait. Exodus 32 and verse 1 tells us when the people of Israel saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, you remember Moses' last words? If you've got anything... Any sort of dispute, any sort of problem, talk with Aaron. Talk with her. And so the people come to Aaron. Why don't you get up? Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Forty days is a long time to wait. And in that moment, a critical mistake is made. Because of a shortage of what many of us talked about this morning. Patience. And in that moment, on one side of the equation, we've got a shortage of patience. On the other side of the equation, we've got a lack of leadership. Out of everybody in the camp, It comes to Aaron in this crucial moment. No, absolutely not. That's not what we're going to do. The Lord bore us as on eagles' wings to this place. He has made bread fall out of the heavens to feed us. Now one of you is starving at the base of this mountain that is wrapped in smoke and rumbling with thunder. Not one of you is is lacking in the water that you need. That's because of the Lord. We were told to wait. But that's not what Aaron said. Where is her in this moment? I, I have no idea. But I do know that Aaron says, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Forty days is a long time to wait. And so we put a shortage of patience plus a lack of leadership and darkened foolish hearts, and we've got a disaster on our hands. In verse 3, all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received the gold from their hands, fashioned it with a graving tool, and made a golden calf. Forty days is a long time to wait, but this was commandment number one and two. That the people had heard and been led to say over and over and over again, all that the Lord has said we will do. But 40 days is a long time to wait. 
They say to each other, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Moses sees this, he builds an altar before that calf. Aaron makes a proclamation and says, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. And they rose up early in the morning. The next day they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. A lot is lost of the ugliness of what is being described in Hebrew there by our English translation. But Paul gave us a sense of it. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, although they knew God, they didn't honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator. Forty days is a long time to wait. Go with me a little further in your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 13. This is a lesson learned the hard way by so many people in the Bible. We'll notice just one more to add some depth and dimension to what we're talking about. It's a lesson that Israel's first king, Saul, learned the hard way. The dreaded Philistines have brought 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, troops like the sands of the seashore in multitude. And here is Saul. He, he, he's been Israel's first king for two years. His people are hiding in caves and holes and tombs and, and cisterns. Some have already took off across the Jordan. All of the people following him are trembling and he waits. He waits for seven days. Seven days is a long time to wait. Because Samuel told me he's coming. But Samuel didn't come within those seven days. And, and the people are scattering from Saul. And so Saul says, why don't you just bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings? And he did the work that only priests were authorized by God to do. And as soon as he finished offering that burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Saul goes out to meet him, to greet him, and Samuel says, What have you done? Saul, your responsibility could be summarized in one word. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Trust His timing. Rely on His promises. But Saul didn't do it. 
He says in verse 11, when I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and that the Philistines had mustered at Michmash, I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I haven't sought the favor of the Lord. So I, I forced myself. He felt control slipping away. He doesn't understand why the delay with Samuel. He sees this powerful enemy gathering to pounds. He knows that he's hopelessly outnumbered. And he reasons within himself, well, my best option here is to force myself to go beyond God's instructions. Take control back. Go ahead and do what needs to be done and worry about the consequences later. And God's prophet says, you have done foolishly. I want you to listen to me this evening. We live in a culture that breathes the motto, better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But sometimes, a lot of times, the most faithful thing we can do is wait. It's all over the book of Psalms. Just the smallest of samplings. In Psalm 27 and verse 13, I believe in our building blocks class this morning, several different age groups, we, we learned, we turned over in our heads that waiting as God describes, patience as God describes, it's more than just waiting, it's waiting and trusting while we wait. When God talks about patience, He's not just saying, well, you get better in and of your own strength at being patient while you're sitting in traffic, waiting on somebody else to do what they've got to do so you can go next in line. No, patience, when God talks about it, is waiting but trusting God while we wait. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It doesn't come naturally to most all of us. But it's built on, it's rooted in what I know. And because of what I know, I trust. And so I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And that knowledge is what fuels me with the ability to wait. Wait for the Lord. And as we wait faithfully, we don't grow weaker. We grow stronger because of who we know. Our hearts can take courage because of who we know and the one we're trusting and waiting upon. is Psalm 31 and verse 23. Love the Lord, all you His saints. Here's what I know. The Lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride. And because I know that, I trust Him. So I'm going to wait. Trusting in Him while I wait. 
Be strong and let your heart take courage. All you who wait for the Lord. In Psalm 130 verse 3, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. That's what I know. That's what I've got to remind myself of as I roll out of bed on a Monday. I'm not going to wait until I feel like being patient. The one I know is the great rock in the middle of the river of my life around which everything else is expected to flow. And because He is my rock and my Redeemer, I will wait. I will wait for Him. My soul will wait. And in His Word, I will wait. And so let's go back to the New Testament before we're done. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you will. It's all over the Old Testament. It's all through the Psalms. So much depends. Listen to me this evening. So much depends on my willingness, your faith, To wait. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it's as if the, the, the Spirit of God takes us by the hand and leads us. You, you want to know how to be successful on this front? You've got to answer the call, number one. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9. Here's what we know. God is faithful. Remind yourself of that tomorrow. Don't rely on your own strength. Don't tackle the day without prayer as if you've got this. We don't have this. <laughs> we make a mess of things on our own. But here's what we know. God is faithful. It is by Him that we were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We've got to answer the call, number one. And number two, as we answer the call, We are sustained. Look back up at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any gift as you wait You've answered the call. And now you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as you wait, you're not on your own. Here's God's promise that you can, can know. He will sustain you how long i mean we know what it's like to okay i i've got insurance until the end of the year and then i've got to make sure that at the very beginning of the year insurance pops back up because this policy this uh, this particular agreement only goes 
through December 31st, and then, then something changes. I, I've got a guaranteed contract until this date. We've agreed to live in the same apartment as, as college students throughout this year, and then as the academic year is done, we're, we're going to go our separate ways. We, we know what it is to, to have something sustained for a little while, but I want you to hear and believe what God is saying to you this evening. He will sustain those who answer the call until the end. What's our responsibility? Wait. Wait on the Lord who is able to keep you guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we wait, strength can grow. It's not that, that, that as disciples of Jesus, where it's like one of these movie shots where it starts out with a full hand and then it, it, it slips to some fingers and then some fingertips and then some fingernails. And I don't know whether or not I'm going to be able to hold on long enough because the longer the Lord tarries, the longer I live, the, 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 the more my grip is loosening. No. Haven't you known? Haven't you heard? Remind yourself of what you know to be true. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, but is willing to wait. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary and, and young men shall fall exhausted. You want to talk about physical strength and vitality? That's what happens with our bodies. But those who wait for the Lord, 8 or 18 or 80, can have strength that is renewed, mounting up with wings like eagles, running and not growing weary, walking and not fainting. And so what do we do? We answer the call. We're sustained. Strength is renewed. As we wait. Or as we've been learning in our building blocks track of studies. From John chapter 15, as we abide. What's a branch's responsibility to the vine? Wait. Stay connected. Abide. And so Jesus says in John 15 verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God is telling us the truth. And saying our responsibility is to abide. Well, what's that look like? It's as if John says, I'm glad you asked. 
in his first letter, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. He says, I'm glad you asked in verse 28. Little children abide in Him so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. Do you see how He has reminded us of truth? He is coming. Wait. Abide. Or as Jude put it in his little letter, you keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads us to eternal life. And so here's here's what we're going to do. Open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8. This week, in this season of waiting, what we are being called to do is to wait. And we're not waiting alone. Tomorrow morning, if the Lord wills, as you see the sun rise, as you see the wind blowing those bare trees, as you see the clouds, as you watch the temperature, Understand, you're not the only one waiting. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, Paul says, I I consider that the sufferings of this present time aren't worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. This creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know, we're reminded of what we know to be true. The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. You see, we're we're not waiting alone. We ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait. Let's wait eagerly this week for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That leads us to number two. We're waiting, but we're not the only ones waiting. How powerful that in the last book of the Bible, those who have passed on, they're not gone. They're not oblivious. They are described in the midst of this great persecution as as being under the altar. Those slain for the word of God and for the witness that they had borne, that they're crying out to God in Revelation 6, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge the earth and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And what were they told by God to do? Wait. 
There is not a person who has passed from this earth who is not waiting. You see, we're, we're not the only ones waiting. We're waiting right along with those who have passed on. And if this week perhaps turns out to be a very difficult week for you personally, thank God that we have each other. When we visit each other in the funeral home, we are waiting together. When we reach out to that person who hasn't been able to be in an assembly like this for a really long time and we, we, we make sure that they know they're not forgotten, we care about them, we're here to help in any way possible, what do we do? We're, we're waiting with each other. Paul puts it this way, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in the present age because we're waiting. Raiding together. We're, we're singing and reminding ourselves and each other that our great God and Savior Jesus Christ is going to appear. The one who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. And to purify us as, as his people. And so, a hundred times, this year. In various ways, we take into account Wednesday evenings 150 times. In a variety of ways, we've, we've stood together and we've sung together as we wait together. But we wait eagerly and with love in our hearts to make sure that you, are ready in your waiting. Because the Apostle Peter put it this way. All of these things that we, we so anxiously wait for physically, it can't wait to hold in our hands, can't wait to, to live within or drive or, or to realize, to, to be acclaimed for, all of those things. You wait long enough and they're going to be gone. But your lives, those are going to endure. What sort of people ought we to be in lives of holiness and godliness as we wait and, and hasten the coming of the day of God because the heavens are going to be dissolved and the, the heavenly bodies are going to melt as they burn. But here's what we know. God's promised us and we believe that promise. And so we're, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. I'm not sure I'd be faithfully waiting this evening if you hadn't been here with me this year. Waiting with me 
and I with you. And so, one more time. It's all we have. This, this one more time. We're going to stand and, and we're going to sing an invitation song and we're going to do the exact inverse of everything that we've, we've been talking about this evening. And we're going to encourage you not to wait. In fact, as we stand and we sing this song about waiting until the Lord comes, if you're not ready for His coming, the question that I hope resonates within your mind is, why Why am I waiting? Why not right here, right now? Come to the front of this room confessing my belief that Jesus is the Son of God. Confessing my, my trust that all of these things are true. And I'm ready to wash away my sins. So that I can leave here. Faithfully waiting. Trusting in God. As I wait. If that's you this evening you know that it's time to respond to this gracious creator who has so patiently waited on you. If we can help in any way, would you let us know how by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together?